Now, how does the Lord look at vessels of honor? And what does the Lord define as vessels of honor? And what then would vessels of honor in the house of the Lord be at this hour? Hallelujah. The book of First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Verses 4 to 12. He says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Let me describe this first. The bread of affliction. The herbs of affliction. You say rejected by men. So if you are a vessel of honor at this hour in the church, considering the state of wickedness in the world, there is no way the world will embrace you. No way. Absolutely no way. And that's why I'm telling you, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious unto him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer acceptable sacrifices before the Lord, unto the Lord, through Christ Jesus. So, the vessels of honor at this hour, they are going to be vessels that give unto the Lord spiritual sacrifice. In fact, that is the definition of worship. That we may worship in the spirit and in the truth. Again, in the process of defining unto you vessels of honor, that in your practice, in your priestly practice, priestly conduct, priestly duties, you may build forth vessels of honor in the church. Vessels that are honorable. Before the Lord. Listen to what he says. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 on. He says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with the inscription, The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. The Lord is saying this with regard to vessels of honor. He's saying that once you become the vessels of the Lord, vessels of this hour, vessels of God, vessels of honor, vessels of worship, then there is security. That's all he's saying. He says, then you are secure. Because the Lord affirms to them here that security. He says, nevertheless, the Lord knows those who are his. He's aware who they are. And he says, and whosoever confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from sin. Look at this now. In other words, when there is a vessel of honor before the Lord, you will always find the stamp of approval. The seal of approval from the Lord. And if you read the writings on that seal, this is what they say. They say, the Lord knows those who are his. And is established. His solid foundation remains firm. Solid. Unshaken. Will never change. And he knows those who are his. 
and whosoever confesses his name has turned away from sin. So to me, the key issue now becomes this. The Lord knows those who are his. So which means, when you are a vessel of honor, you indeed have the seal of approval from the Lord. So the vessels of honor that the church ought to raise right now are not supposed to be approved of by the world to please some world and then approve you. You understand? To do things for people to say things and then you say, I have approval. That approval comes forth from the Lord. That's what he says. That's what he says. Again, the vessels of honor have security. You can call it security of tenure, whatever you want to call it. But they are secure because they have the ultimate approval from the Lord. That's a very powerful place. That part is so powerful because they need not the approval of men. And that's why at that place, quickly, I want to go to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Just to underscore verse 19. Of Second Timothy, I read Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. And you are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. He says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Did you hear the word eternally? Verse 9. As we have already said, now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you, a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or the approval of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's what he's talking about here regarding the vessels of honor. Because he says the vessels of honor already have the seal of approval. Because it says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. That is the guarantee for the elect church. His solid foundation stands firm, firm, strong, not shaken, never again. Never to be shaken. And once it is already firm like that, then he says, it is sealed with the inscription. It is sealed with the inscription, sealed with the inscription that says, the Lord knows those who are His. That is the security right there. The safety. So I am secure now. I am on the Lord's side. Because the solid foundation stands firm. So the vessels of honor actually have been sealed by the Lord. And He has sealed them with His seal of approval. And in there is a writing that the Lord knows those who are His. Which means they are the Lord's. And then He says, And everyone that confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from sin. So for them, repentance is central. So, the vessels of honor in the house of Jehovah are the repentant saints. Actually, that's the repentant church. And then, he now moves on to say this, that because of that assuredness, that safety, I'm now safe. People feel secure. That established, we're now established in the Lord. He says, they need not seek for approval from out. So the vessels of honor will not seek for approval from the world. 
Because they know that the world approves that which pleases the world. And the Lord approves that which pleases heaven. Pleases the Spirit. Did you understand the message is bring right here? And so that's why he's saying that you need not seek approval of men. So the vessels of God, the vessels of honor, hence do not do what? They never seek the approval of the world. But let me move to another level that you may understand, another notch, another cadre, another conversation regarding the vessels of honor. Look at what he says in verse 20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. And he says, some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purpose, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good works. Let me explain that now. He brings it another notch higher. He says, having known the seal of approval that's upon the vessels of honor. However, I want to bring to your attention the following. That the Lord created several vessels. The Lord Jehovah has created several vessels in the house. And he says that there are vessels of gold, vessels of silver, vessels of wood and clay. And in the ranking of things, in the order of ranking, he now says, some are for noble purposes. Noble purpose. Now, that's very powerful language right there. Which means they become the vessels of nobility. You cannot be of noble purpose except that you yourself are noble, first of all. I want to submit that to you today. That you cannot be of noble purpose. Except that you yourself are noble. That's the same thing as I've said before. That you cannot be a deliverer. Except that you yourself you have been delivered. This I've sung over again and again. And that's what he is essentially saying here. He's saying that there are two levels to this. That when he says that there are many types of vessels he built in the house. The ranking of them. Then he also ranks them in that cadre of array of spectrum. He ranks them also on purpose. For that matter also, they are those of noble purpose. And those of ignoble, those of casual, common, non-noble use. That's general use, not important. You see that? However, he then sets up another standard for the vessel. He says, if a vessel separates itself, as a vessel for noble purpose, it must be put apart. Must have been put apart. And he says, and become an instrument for noble purpose. He says, made holy and useful to the master, prepared to do any good works. Those are the key statements. There. Those are big words they said there. Separated out, made holy. Do you see the importance of the removal of yeast? To make vessels of honor. Because made holy is part and parcel of that nobility. 
And then he moved on to say, prepared as instrument. Now, instrument, can you imagine? Which means, the way they execute their salvation, they're evangelizing the holiness of Jesus. Then they're becoming instruments of evangelism. They're evangelizing Christ. They're now instruments. They're being used. But he says, for any good use, any good use, the only thing that is good to the Lord is holiness. So that means vessels of honor in the church are actually those believers that have embraced the Holy Spirit, separated out with the seal of approval from the Lord in Scripture. They are firm, not seeking the wisdom of man, not seeking the approval of the world. And in the process, they have been transformed for noble purpose by this, by that separation, the holiness they behold, and hence the exuding of holiness. Let me put it better for you. Holiness without works is no holiness. That's what he's trying to say here. That holiness without radiating it, exuding it, is no holiness. Don't tell me you are holy, and yet they can't see it. The only purpose for which we were given the grace to allow us also to wear the holiness of Christ is to be able to reflect it, evangelize it. That's what he's saying here. So any good works mean evangelism. The good works of the vessels of honor is holy works. When the widows go to that church, their lives are built. When the orphans go to that church, their lives are built. When we take our daughters to that church, their lives are built. When we take our sons to that church, their lives are built. When I took my family there, we changed course and our lives were built. And they see that you stop doing the old sin, the same old sin. You are now righteous. You are now polishing your shoes, washing your shirts, ironing them. And everybody can see that his life has constructed. And so it is in the spiritual because what you see in the physical is actually emanating. It's a reflection of the inner. What's happening in the spiritual? What is in the outward is a form of the inward. But they can see, the world can see when your life is constructed. So it's exuded out that that vessel is a vessel of honor. And he said, built into a spiritual house, rejected by the world. So he said, the vessel of honor is actually the house of the Lord. But which house? A spiritual house that is doing good works. Hallelujah. And so it's very important for us to embrace the significance of what it takes to be a vessel of honor at this hour, that we may see the kingdom of God, that your churches may enter. I know I would be somewhere, I don't want to say, when it happens. But I want to hear that they all went in. Yes. This is what the whole conversation is about here. That they all entered. Hallelujah. Now, the book of John, chapter 2. There also we see God's own definition of vessels of honor. But in that definition, we see him incorporate purpose. He amalgamates purpose into it also. They are vessels because they do this. You understand? In fact, he talks about quality, their stature, vessels of honor, their stature, but also their purpose as in commensurate with stature. As in stature, purpose. Stature, purpose. So, let's read it because it's about Jesus, our Lord, turning water into wine. 
John chapter 2, verses of honor. He says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washings, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Verse 7. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now, till the end. This was the first miracle. Now listen to this. This is absolutely key today that you understand inside here what the Lord is saying with regard to vessels of honor inside this scripture. Listen to this. There was a wedding. And in those days the weddings take longer. Seven days plus. And it was the duty of the hosting families. The hosting family, the host, to provide refreshment. And that would be wine and other drinks and foods and so forth. And so he provided wine. But as they provided wine, a crisis develops. The wine is not enough. And as we pick it from now, it was common practice to provide the best wine first and then the cheaper wine later. But what amazed me is that when the wine got finished, then his mother so happened to be there. He said, please do whatever he tells you. And then, now look at the focus of this message. There were six stone jars. Six stone jars. What were they used for? They were used for ceremonial cleansing. Ceremonial cleaning. Why were the Jews always using water from these jars for ceremonial cleaning? Because they took it that as they lived their lives in the world out there, they gained contact, they gained contact with contaminants, contagions, contaminations. And their lives were defiled in one way or the other, or several ways, you know. So as they came back from there, before they went and presented themselves before Jehovah, they had to cleanse themselves. 
And these jars were used for cleansing, cleaning, before they presented before the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen very carefully here. They used to fill them with water for ceremonial cleaning. Before they present before the Lord, either in the house of the Lord or wherever they were having, you know, because all their functions were actually religious. They are until today. Sukkot, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, name it. All of them are religious. But look at this now. Look at the symbolism the Lord brought in here. He tells them to take water and pour into the six stone jars. And when they pour the water, he converts the water into wine. But the wine becomes stronger than the first wine. And the Lord Jesus was doing this at the wedding. At a wedding, a wedding. The wine now becomes stronger than the first. And yet we know that in this whole context, this whole arrangement, the construct that we have here, the Lord constructed this in order to speak about the wedding of the Lamb. But look at this first. He constructed this so he may speak about them, the wedding of the Lamb. But listen to this now. He makes water be poured. He tells them, pour water into the jars. They pour water to the brim. And then he converts it into wine without fermentation. I am reading the Bible. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. Then you will understand what the Lord did there. He says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I'll grant my peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Let's go back now there, again to John. The Lord was speaking. He said, pour water into the jars. Please fill them with water. They fill with water. He converts water into wine. Stronger wine. Better wine, they say. When he does that, now look at that. The embarrassment, the social embarrassment that the host was undergoing is raised away. He's cleaned away. You see that? Because people have come. You have invited people, they have come. And some of them you didn't even have to invite. They hung around the gate until you said, just allow them come. You understand? There's a feast here. People have come. But there was now an embarrassment that the wine is finished in the middle of all this. Now the Lord, by converting water into wine, takes away the embarrassment. But the wine becomes stronger than the first wine, which actually foretells of what Haggai had seen. That the latter glory of the house of the Lord, the latter rain, the latter anointing, will be more powerful than the first. So, what does that denote to the vessels of honor? How does that speak to the vessels of honor? These jars here now, they symbolize. They symbolize the vessels of honor. These jars now. The six stone jars. Because in them, the Lord now places the latter, stronger anointing. And if you look at the purpose for which the jars were created in the Jewish context, for cleansing, for cleaning. So they may be right to go before the Lord. So now you understand that the vessels of honor are actually, they are not just 
the containers, the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. But they are the tabernacle of the latter anointing. As at now. As at this hour. Did somebody get me? They are the holders of the last anointing, the latter anointing. And what's the purpose? To cleanse. So they become vessels of repentance. Vessels of revival. Vessels of renewal. Vessels, in other words, you can say, agents of spiritual change. Because those containers, those jars were being used for cleaning. So they may be clean. But now, now that we are in this dispensation, the spiritual, so the vessels of spiritual cleansing, to clean in the spirit, which means remove from sin, to be ready unto the Lord. The stone just become vessels, because what? Therein he placed now the latter anointing. The latter anointing in relation to the wedding. But listen to this. That takes away embarrassment. Why? Because when Isaiah saw the rapture of the church, Isaiah says in chapter 26, verse 19 on to 21, he says, Shout for joy, for your dew is like the dew of the morning. Isaiah saw. Shout for joy, for your dew is like the dew of the morning. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The vessels of honor of the Lord are actually the carriers of the latter anointing, which means they are the carriers of the end time revival. The vessels of honor are actually the church. The church that is the salt of the earth. Why? Because the do good works is now here. These vessels, these six stone jars were for cleaning. And now out of them comes an anointing for cleaning. The latter anointing. The vessels of honor of the Lord, they are for good purpose. This purpose. When someone takes them, say, wow, how strong is that? You know, that is pretty strong. You kept it until the end. And then you stand up, but that is what Haggai the prophet saw. Even Joel, you see that? Then they may understand. The book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. In Romans chapter 6, what do you see coming forth from there? Let me summarize it for you. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. He begins by saying, Shall we keep on sinning that the grace may increase? And then he says, Don't you know that we who were baptized with Christ, died with him to sin, and resurrected with him to eternal life. Hallelujah. Died with him to sin. And resurrected with him into eternal life. And in the book of 1 John chapter 5 verse 6. I'm going to tie that with it. 1 John chapter 5 verse 6 on. Hallelujah. Listen to what he says. He says. I'm reading. This is the one who came. By the water and blood. Jesus Christ. This is he that came by the water and the blood. And his name, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water alone, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. And he goes on and on. But listen to this now. Fill them with water. He says, the six stone jars. Fill them with water. And after filling them, 
He converts them into the latter wine, which is the strength of the last anointing. And now, he says, hey, that water has a cleansing power. That water is the precursor of the Holy Spirit. Precursor meaning what is required before. That's why I poured in the latter wine, which speaks about the strength of the last anointing. But hey, don't you remember Matthew chapter 3? Where you are baptized into water for cleansing, for the remission of sins. Now you understand where that water came from. No wonder the symbolic, it had to be these pots for cleaning. And for your own information, these pots were not the same pots that were used for the wine. I want you to know that. They were not the same pots. They were just aside. Their purpose is for cleaning. Ceremonial cleansing. So this is what he says here. You see what he says here? He says, nearby, nearby, aside, nearby there, where that was happening, nearby there, stood six stone jars. They were not the same. So you can see the deliberate choice of the Lord. But the Lord is saying, this is the commencement. This is actually the memorial, the remembrance. The commemoration of what was happening in the Jordan. Matthew chapter 3. I baptize you with water for the remission of sins. And after me comes the greater one whose sandals I touch not. Who will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. That's why you see the conversion. Without yeast, you know. Without yeast. Do you remember that? So the new vessels of the Lord, the vessels of honor, they carry the wine without yeast. The wine without fermentation. They don't deal with those broths and name it. Precious people. So now the message is this. I'll share this vision. Now, when the Lord was calling me, many, many years ago, into this calling, the kind of relationship gets so tight like this. You see that? It's very close. So that he's now free. Because now he has a friend. Anytime he wants to talk to him, he just go talk to him and come back. You understand? Now he has a friend he can talk with. So the relationship gets too close, very, very tight. Because you become a friend. For him, I share with him anything I need to share with somebody. It's him I go to and share with. So during that calling, at one time, in a vision, all of a sudden I saw I had a lot of oil in my hands. And then I realized that there was a container that was pouring oil also here. And I was doing this. I was anointing his feet. The feet up to here, just a short distance, up to slightly above the ankle, but at that place where the anointing was ending, powerful, glorious garment, white, glorious garment. So I was anointing his feet in that vision. The oil was being poured and I was anointing his feet, anointing his feet very well, very honorably. And then I woke up. You see that? I was hearing also the voice that was speaking from this side. And then I woke up. But now, I want to share into the deeper revelation of that in regard to vessels of honor. At that time in Israel, messengers, huh? messengers, messengers 
where people you sent and they went running like this with the message. And so their feet were bruised by sandals, what, what, all that kind of stuff. And they arrived. When they arrived, if it was so far, they had to stay over and rest for some two, three days and heal before they head back. But they were treated well when they arrived. They were treated very well when they arrived. When they arrived, all people expected them gathered to receive the news. What has the king said? Or what is the message from the other side? The other dominion, the other kingdom? Because they were tired of running, they did this. They always reclined like this. They were tired. They arrived tired. So they hand like this. They always, and their feet like that. So their feet were being, the right word is called embrocation. They were being embrocated with oil to heal the bruises, the wounds of the sandals. I'm reading the Bible. Let me first read Mark and then Isaiah and then you understand better. So Mark chapter 14 from verse 1 to 11. He says, Now the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priest and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way, sly, which means deceptive, sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, all the people may riot, because they knew that people would riot, you know. Other versions put it differently. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nerd. The pure nerd, I'm going to describe everything. Let me just read it first. I will describe every detail I will open to you like this. What the pure nerd is and all that. You know? Made of pure nerd. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. The other version say on his feet. And other versions like Amplified said both. Because it was a common practice during feast. When you had guests, I mean, it was a common practice. But anyway, for me, as far as I know, in that vision, it was the feet. I'm talking about the vision which the Lord had me do this, you know. Anoint his feet. Listen to what they said. They'd be okay. Some of those who were present were saying indignantly to one another, why this wastage of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor because it was common practice during festivities to give to the poor. But let's move on though. And they rebuked her harshly. Verse 6. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. In other words, to prepare my body for burial. 
I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That's how powerful the act is. The power of that act. It was so powerful that said, wherever the gospel will be preached, she must be talked about in memory of her. I'm going to explain to you what all that means. Verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went out to the chief priest to betray Jesus. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Let me explain this very carefully, step by step, precious people. I want you to listen very carefully. Listen to this. You cannot understand this. Except that you read Isaiah 52. You will not understand this scripture that I read, what I'm trying to bring to you. Except that you read Isaiah 52. Verse 7, I'm reading it right now. Isaiah 52, verse 7. I'm reading it now. This is what he says. He says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news. Who proclaim peace. Who bring good tidings. Who proclaim salvation. Who say to Zion, your God reigns. Let me explain this now so you may understand better now. Now I've given you all the, the pillars for this message here. For this segment. The revelation that this woman received was very high. And somehow it was concealed. So other people did not receive it. That's why they indignantly rebuked her. This woman, let me explain a little bit the background here. The alabaster jars, at that time, they were made of marble. Just that you may understand this properly. They were made of marble. Marble. You know how expensive marble is? Even today is expensive. In fact, very expensive, right? Marble to the extent that they were almost transparent. You could almost see the content, the fluid content. Yeah, translucent. You can see through eh? a bit. But the alabaster jars then were super expensive. You had to work for I don't know how many years to acquire one. Probably the best way to own one was to when your father gave one to you. And he told you, I once was visited by a king of so and so and he stayed in the night here and he gave me one jar as a gift for hosting him as he passed by. You understand? They were so expensive beyond reach. The alabaster jars then were made of marble. And even unto this day, marble is very expensive. Now listen to this now. The perfume, the ointment, the perfume, there were different types of perfume. Like they are today. But the most expensive types of perfumes then were those made of pure nerd. Pure, the word pure nerd. The nerd was used to mix up, to mix a little bit to give it a flavor. You see that? Fragrance. But to get one of pure nerd, that was a very expensive ointment, perfume. And the nerd 
Nad, actually, it was got from a tree, the roots of the tree. The roots. So you can imagine they're digging also. So the process, there you go now. The process of getting the pure nard also. So you have to dig through many, many trees to get a certain quantity, given the technology at the time. A certain quantity, right? So, pure nard was super, super, super expensive. Costly. And so, listen to this now. People that wanted to accumulate to buy, to collect some pure nard, you did not have the capacity to buy it at once. They were traders that came with camels. They came in groups. They traveled in groups through the desert. They turbans, they closed their nose because of the desert sandstorms and what, so they came with camels. Eh? And they followed their routes towards the oasis, the places where the camels had water to drink, and they moved on for some days again. And they passed through certain settlements. When they arrived, there was a special bell that they rang. You, when you're telling, 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 you knew that the traders from the other side have arrived. And they came during a certain time. So, for example, when the summer began, or the spring, you knew that at this time the traders for such such a place are about to arrive. The Arab traders. And they carried perfume, some of them. Spices also. But I'm talking about this pure nerd. You had no capacity and power to take a quantity, a big quantity. So, people saved. Say, I'm saving because those traders are about to show up. When they come, I'll buy myself a little quantity of pure nerd. And stop. So, you can imagine for yourself, to accumulate a whole alabaster full of pure nerd. It was like a lifelong event. Did you understand? I'm trying to bring to your attention the treasure that there was into, inside that alabaster. It's like your whole life savings. Did you understand how treasured it was? The savings of your life until now. You've saved all that you've saved until now is here. So I'm sure it's something you look at every evening. Is it still there? It's in a special place, right? When the traders come, you add, you add until you fill. She had a jar full of alabaster. That's why they said the cost is like your wage for the whole year. Not for food or anything, just to buy it. It was almost a lifelong investment. That's the message that comes through. However, this woman received a revelation from the Lord. This was her treasured savings, right? In other words, this was her life. I want you to understand the position of this woman. That was her life. That was her life. Listen to this now. She had saved it for all that time. But then she received a revelation. When she just one day, one day, when she just encountered the Lord like this, she was shocked. When she encountered the Lord, she was shocked. One day. When she encountered the Lord, she was shocked. Stunned. Because I can't believe this. 
So the messenger of reconciliation has arrived. The messenger of peace is now here. She panicked. She said, my life is now over. I must now give my life to. So what this woman did, all she did is this. She did. She saw that the dispensation of this physical temple, if this is really him, then that means that the dispensation of this physical temple is surely now over. Now it's finished, really. And now she took her physical savings, earthly savings, and said, they are now worthless. Their utility is over now. Except that you use them to prepare yourself for this spiritual dispensation. Did somebody understand? That's why, you know, the alabaster jar used to have a long neck. They made them beautiful, so they had long neck, and it was sealed, such that the fragrance just go out. So, you have to break the seal on top there. And when you pour, you have to seal again. So, that's why you see that when she appeared to him, she broke pah, the neck. And she said, if this is the messenger of peace, the messenger of reconciliation between us and Jehovah, then surely beautiful are the feet of he that brings the good news. Did you understand me? And the reason she did so, because again another scripture, 2 Samuel, read with me, another scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 18, verses 24-28, the reason she did so, because it was common procedure. 2 Samuel, precious people, chapter 18, verses 24-28. This is what it says from verse 24. 2 Samuel. While David was sitting between the inner and the outer gates, the watchman went up to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, he saw a man running alone. That was the countenance of the messengers. That was the appearance of the messengers. They ran alone, a man running alone. The watchman called out to the king and reported it. The king said, if he is alone, he must have good news. Which means, that must then be the messenger of good news. You understand? And the man came closer and closer. Verse 26. Then the watchman saw another man running, and he called down to the gatekeeper, Look, another man is running alone. The king said, he must be bringing good news too. The watchman said, It seems to me that the first one runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. He is a good man, the king said. You can imagine the moment of desperation. They needed some good news. Oh, if it is him, that one, he is a good man. He's normally a good man. He's a good man. Which means the news he carries must be good. He is a good man, the king said. He comes with good news. Then Ahimaaz called out to the king. All is well. He bowed down before the king with his face on the ground and said, Praise be to the Lord your God. He has delivered up the man who lifted their hands against the Lord, the king. 
Let me explain to you what that means. So the king said, stand aside and wait here. He stepped aside and he stood there. Then he goes and goes on. But let me explain to you the whole thing here. It was common practice, common procedure at that time. It was routine that when there was war, the king waited to hear. The king waited here. What has happened there? Even when there was another dominion, another kingdom, and there was a relationship, let's call it uh, even business relationship, or the king wants to travel through the other kingdom to visit another king or to go worship in Jerusalem, this king would send a messenger to the other kingdom. And when the messenger came, they waited. Who has he been allowed? What kind of news is he carrying? Now, when there was war, again, the king waited to hear what news. Have they all been slaughtered? Whatever. Huh? So, when the messengers came all the way, if they are messengers sent, they ran alone. That's the first thing you pick out. Is he running alone? Oh, he must be carrying good news. Hey, I see another one also running alone. When they arrived, recline. The feet being healed. Because their journey had been long. This woman, when she saw the Lord, Allah, this is the messenger of good news. This is the one that brings the good tidings. So, beautiful must be his feet. Now, if it is true that this is the heavenly messenger, then surely the dispensation of the physical realm must be over. That is the revelation she received that was concealed to the others. That's why she went and took her physical wealth to come and adorn the spiritual, the spiritual dispensation, the dawn of the spiritual vessel, spiritual tabernacle. Listen to this now. She pours the nard. She embrocates the feet. And that was now the time when immediately Jesus begins to talk about his death on the cross. In fact, let me mention this to you. If you read slightly on, like I read, you see immediately after that dinner, Judas just walked out straight away to go and complete the job. Listen. The Messiah said, don't touch her. Why did he say so? Don't touch her. What she has done is wonderful because she prepares my body for burial. Let me explain to you why he said so. It was common practice in the Jewish setting, in the Jewish society, family, life, that when somebody died, the body would be anointed with sweet-smelling fragrance, perfume, alloy. But the Lord Jesus looked at this woman, and he, I think he was amazed at this woman. He said, this woman must have received a much higher revelation. She has understood that I'm going to the grave. Listen to this now. Because the journey has been long. Finally, the messenger has arrived. The journey has come to an end. But listen to this now. This woman, when the Lord looked at her, he realized that this woman had received a higher revelation even to the nature of death, Jesus was going to die. Let me explain this to you. It was common practice for people, their bodies to be anointed for burial, right? With sweets. Then why would Jesus say that, you know, she's preparing my body for burial. In any case, they should do it. No. Those who died criminally. Did you understand me? 
those who died out of criminality as criminals their bodies were not given the privilege of being anointed did you understand what this woman did she did a very big thing she honored the lord for me because he would be killed like a thief like a criminal so his body would not deserve in the jewish culture they don't then that one they don't anoint with sweet smelling perfumes that one they just throw out there she had known that he's going to die a cruel death they are going to levy some false charges on him and he is going to die criminally as a criminal and so i know that nobody will do this let me just do it now i know that nobody is going to put any sweet smelling alloy on his dead body prepare it for burial that's why he said she prepares my body for burial so the issue is he knew he was going to die like a criminal so his body would not be treated with respect so when she was doing this don't touch her me i'm going away and she's preparing my body for burial which means i know in their eyes i don't even deserve a decent burial and wherever the gospel is taken today she will be preached about do you know what he meant by that pastor go to chatter hall and preach the gospel wherever the gospel will be preached you said you have arrived have arrived from nairobi you start to preach the oh, oh beautiful are the feet that bring the good news beautiful are the feet she must be talked about this act it remains until today that's why when you go you people have beautiful feet because you are the bearers of the beautiful feet the vessels of honor the vessels of honor unto the lord they are the vessels that are number one golden vessels now we are seeing that they are marble like but look at this now they are the vessels that have transformed from the physical realm into the spiritual vessel that's why she carried that which was physical broke it and destroyed it and poured the ingredients to say beautiful these feet that now bring the spiritual tabernacle the spiritual dispensation so now the vessels of honor are the vessels that have realized the dispensational change and they have moved from the physical temple to the spiritual tabernacle that is what was happening here when the oil was being poured on the feet of the lord because he said and beautiful are the feet that bring the good news he said wherever the gospel be preached she must be mentioned why because wherever you will read you will be told hey precious vessel beautiful are your feet that bring the good news because they see the good tidings you carry the vessels of honor are the vessels of peace which means they are the vessels of reconciliation between the lord and mankind let me explain that even deeper which means the vessels of honor of this hour are actually the vessels of repentance they bring reconciliation let us now be reconciled with the lord let us repent if you know that this message has touched you and you know that you are not right with the lord please repeat this prayer with me say dear jesus i repent today and reject sin lead me into righteousness 
I receive you as Lord and Savior. Please protect me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you have said that prayer, behold, a new day has begun with your life. The Bible says you become a new creation before the Lord. Shalom. Shalom.